God's Spirit is so strong in this place. You know why? Because it's already in you. If you're born again, you already have the Spirit. See, we use Old Testament terms to describe how God moves, but those are outdated. We worship and praise, the glory comes down. Yeah, but more like now, when you worship and praise, the Spirit that's in you gets free to move out of you. God's here because you're here and you have faith. God came because you came. If you didn't come with faith and passion today, you would have trapped the part of God that is in you today. That God's presence is here because you decided to let Him be here. You should feel good about you right now. Because God gets to be real because you let Him be real. Y'all, it would be a miracle if I even get to preach. We're praying about miracles. My goodness. If we even get through all this today, it will be a gift from God. What a mighty God we serve. Jesus' name. Jesus. Well, we're going to try it. How about we try to get through it, okay? I'm going to do something odd. I'm, I mean, no disrespect to the Word of God by doing this. But I'm going to have you go ahead and sit down. I like my Bible as much as you do. Don't be afraid. I want you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. I don't know if you've noticed, but the last nine sermons or so since we've been back, you may think they've been redundant, but we don't plan out our sermons. We don't chat and ask, what theme do you want to cover? So if you've been noticing that God is speaking in the same vein over and over and over again, it's called intentional. God is being intentional about what he's saying. The flesh says it's redundant. I want to tune it out. They talked about this last week. But when God says something over and over and over again, he wants to do something very mighty. I asked God, why do you want me to preach this sermon today? And you can ask me how I, how I hear God or we can talk about it. Don't let it put you off. God told me he wants to renew his vows with us today. I said, God, you mean like a marriage? He said, yes, because salvation is not a trip to heaven. Salvation is a marriage between me and you. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And that when you get saved, you get married. You see, when you got the Holy Ghost, he put his love in your heart and you felt it. And his love changed you like any good spouse would. And when you got baptized in Jesus' name, he even gave you his name. And God said, I want to do my vows with you. I said, God, why would you want to renew vows? Why would a married couple doing it for 20-something years want to renew their vows? It's because of this. Everybody knows the longer you're married, the better you get at doing marriage well. You can say the right words, do the right things, and the better you get at it, the easier it is to hide that maybe the passion behind the action has died. I'm doing the work right, but the love is not quite there. So a couple that's been married for a while, they renew their vows to make a decision. I know we're doing good enough and we're doing marriage right, but we want to make sure here and now that we keep the right heart. We want to make sure we have the love behind the action. Because it's not just enough to do the right things. you got to have the right love for it. 
Because every spouse knows you give me flowers, you say the same words, but something's different. And God is saying, COVID has been a wonderful opportunity for all of us to have to relearn everything about God. We're learning how to do church again. And man, are we doing it well today? We're learning how to pray again and feel God again. And we're doing everything right. But God is saying to us today, you're doing everything right, but there's something still missing. You're talking to me the right words, but there's a tone missing. You don't quite look at me the same way you used to, but you're saying everything right. Let's renew our vows today. Let's go back to that first love today. Because right action is not enough without the right love behind it. This is why I had you sit down at first. I'm not even in my scripture text. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will. Everybody say will. And to work for his good pleasure. For it is God that works in you both to will and to work. What is the work? But KJV says he gives you the will and he shows you what to do. Most of your Bible is about what to do. I go here. I raise my kids this way. I pray that way. I don't go there. But God doesn't just tell you what to do. He gives you the heart to do it. He gives you the spirit to do it. But we get so good at doing and sometimes we, stop, we don't stop to check to see if the heart is still there. Would you lift your hands to me in this place? Lord, speak to us. Allow us to have that first love. The love that is, is beyond anything we can muster on our own. It's beyond rationale. It's beyond our best efforts. It's all-consuming. It's relentless. It's unreserved. Allow us to have the same love we had the first time we got the Holy Ghost. And it was scary and overwhelming. We weren't used to it yet. Allow us to have that same love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The church says amen. You may be seated. Proverbs chapter 3 says this. Keep my commandments and learn my teachings and you'll have a long life and be blessed. He says what to do. Keep my commandments and learn my teachings and you'll have a long life. That's how God works, right? He shows me what to do and then when I do it, I get blessed. But he doesn't leave us at that. He says, don't just do that. Keep love. Don't let love forsake you. Write it on your heart. It doesn't mean write the word love on your heart. It's a, it's a statement repeated through the whole Bible. It's speaking about spiritual indwelling. Because the spirit that breathed the word, when it gets inside of you, thus God gets to write the spirit and the love behind the word on your heart. God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah that when I pay for their sins and they get born again, I'm not going to remember their sins anymore. They'll be new. But also... I'm going to write my word on their hearts. What does that mean? The spirit that breathed your word. God's spirit will now be in you. Because Paul said before he got the Holy Ghost, I read the word and I knew the word. And I tried to live up to the word. But the more I tried, I couldn't do it. But then I got the Holy Ghost. Because you know one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost is love. But it's not a love you had before you got the Holy Ghost. It's a new kind of love. When you get the spirit that wrote the word in your heart, you begin to look at the word a little differently. Because now you have a God-like love. 
You read the Bible differently when you love the Bible the way that God loves the Bible. Not like a good saint of the Bible, but the way that God loves it. It's a different level. And you pray a little bit harder when you love being free from your own sin as much as God loves seeing you free from your own sin. And when you see life through God's love, everything changes. When you love praise and worship the way that God loves seeing it, it's on a different level. So God gives you his spirit to teach you how to love because if there's a new kind of love when i get the holy ghost that means i can't love the same way i did before i got it i had to switch from this human aspect of love to a god-like love what does that look like revelation chapter 2 god spoke to the church in ephesians he said he said ephesus you're doing everything right you're fighting against false doctrine you're worshiping hard you're enduring persecution you're doing everything right and I, I stopped. I was like, so God, how are you about to criticize them? What did they do wrong? They checked all my boxes, God. They have holiness and they worship hard. They pray every day. What is missing? And Jesus said, you're doing everything right. But there's one thing. You lost the first love you had for me. You're saying the right words, but there's a tone that shifted. And you just don't look at me the, quite the same way. I have everything good. Checked off every box, but you're missing that first love you had for me. Before I can go on and talk about how we love God, we've got to be reminded about how much God loves us. Because if I just bash you and say, we've got to love God more, it's condemnation. But if I remind us all of how much God loves us, you feel motivated. It comes out of your heart. It comes out of love. So here's how much God loves us. Here's what happened. The garden, he gave us a chance. We messed it up because Adam and Eve were the best of us. They sinned. They're separated from God, and so are we. There's a debt. God is so perfect, he can't break his own rules. And so his law says, if you sin, you must die. If you sin, you must die. But God said, if I become a man, and I die looking like a man, and I'll be so perfect because I'm God in the flesh, I won't ever fall. It'll be so powerful, it will pay for the sins of all creation if they get married to me. See, grace is not... Grace is freely extended, but it's not easily accepted. You can't just say, I want to hang out and not go to a greater commitment. And when you got saved, you took the next step and said, I do. And God said, I do too. I'll give you my name. I'll give you my love. I'll give you my nature. It was a big deal what you did. But then you don't stop there. You see, when you get married, that's not the end of your marriage, is it? Try to tell your wife that. We're done. Good, good seeing you. When you get married, the wedding is cool and all, but, you know, it's a daze. You don't remember a lot of it, but you got to do more things afterwards. You got to be committed and grow together, and that's the way. Your earthly marriage, it's a blessing, okay? But its true purpose is to teach us how to walk with God. The Bible says it. It's to illustrate how I grow with a spouse is how I'm supposed to grow with God, but the problem is I don't treat God as good as I treat my spouse sometimes, and you probably feel the same way. And so what happens, you get to Galatians 5. If you have the Spirit and you walk in the Spirit, you won't fall to the sins, of, the sins of your flesh. Not just if you have it, if you walk in it. Meaning, if you grow in your relationship, in your communion with God. Then he says, if you keep in step in the Spirit, you'll bear these natures. Love, a new kind of love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. What are these? They're pieces of God's nature. Because you know, the more you're married, the good parts of your spouse begin to affect you. 
They begin to influence you. And that's how it is with God. You begin to act like the best parts of him. You begin to have the same likes and dislikes because you've been growing together. Just getting married doesn't make you like Jesus. you got to walk in it and talk in it. Now listen. Church isn't meant to be marriage counseling every Sunday. Church is meant to be the place you walk in saying, I am so in love with my creator, and I got so much love I can share with everybody else. This is not the time to get your walk with God right. You walk on your marriage at home with God, and you walk in hand in hand in love with your creator. Dear God Almighty. So now you're, you're growing in your marriage. It's, it's splendid, but here's what happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that now you can bear the gifts of the Spirit. Fruits, gifts. What are the gifts? They're aspects of God's power. You can, you can prophesy the future. You can interpret tongues. You can heal people. It's crazy. It's like superpowers. It's amazing. But you can't share in God's power if you don't first share in His nature. you got to bear the fruits of God before you can share in the power of God. We're praying for gifts and miracles and healings and everything, but we're praying to a stranger. We said, I do too once. I'm preaching to myself too. Don't get nervous. What an arrogant little sucker. He's being so rude. No, it's me too, sister. I promise. I judged. I guess I, I just assumed a woman would think those thoughts. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought that. Marriage counseling, we're going to have to start that soon, won't we? Okay. I said, all that say this, there, there's the timeline of your walk with God. It's a beautiful story. It's a love story. And I know all these words, love and marriage, make you uncomfortable because you never thought God that way. He's like, is he saying Jesus is my boyfriend? No, I'm saying he's your husband. It's different. It demands more commitment. Come on, somebody. It doesn't take a bumper sticker. It takes a lifelong walk with Jesus. <laughs> Too much coffee today. I said, all that say this to set up. This is my point. Here's my main point. When he, Jesus talked to the lady at the well, he said, you drink of this real water, you'll thirst again. But when you drink of my water, you'll have the well inside of you. Rivers of living water will flow out of you. It'll be abundant and unlimitless. What he's talking about is the Holy Ghost. He's saying that peace will be in you and life will be in you and it will be abundant. What I'm telling you is this. God doesn't give you any more Holy Ghost from the first moment y'all got together and got married. Here's how we think it works, though. I come to church, and I pray real hard, and God will give me more Holy Ghost so I can have peace, and I can have a ministry. No, no. God gave you everything he was from the first moment you said, I do. There's no more. You have to grow with him to release it, but God gave you all his love, all his passion, all his belief. He didn't wait to see if you love him back. He said, I'll pay for all of it. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before you even said, I kind of like you, God, God said, I'll give you everything I am. It's waiting with, within you. It's not out there anymore. It's not behind the veil anymore. It's in you. All you got to do is grow to love him more and more, and he'll let it out of you. But you've already got it. He didn't check the stock prices for you invested in you. He said, I'm putting all my chips on the table. It's you and me, ride or die. We're doing this thing to the very end. God's not holding out on you. That's how much God loves you. With reckless abandonment. 
I was asking God, so how do I preach about love? It's a little out of my wheelhouse. And he took me to the story of Hosea and Gomer. Hosea was a prophet, and you thought you wanted a ministry. God told Hosea, you know, Hosea, Israel and I, we're not on good terms. They've left me. They've cheated on me. And so I'm going to redeem them. And he's also, the story was about our redemption, how God was going to redeem us. He said, but I'm going to make you an actual illustration. You're not just going to preach it, Hosea. You're going to live it. And there's some, there's confu- some confusion about where it went wrong, but here's, here's my understanding. God told Hosea, you're going to marry a woman, and it's going to be great. But one day she's going to fail you and leave you and cheat on you and become a harlot. But Hosea, even though you're going to go in this marriage, knowing she'll fail you one day, I want you to love her without reservation. Because that's how I love you and everybody saved. Even though I know you'll fail me one day, I don't make you less saved or kind of saved or more saved. Even though I know you'll hurt me every day, I'm waiting for the failure. I don't hold it against you. I don't tell you about it. I believe in you. Let me make it plain. When David was a young man being anointed, God gave him faith. The oil represented faith. You're going to slay Goliath, and you're going to slay 10,000s and write, and write psalms and be a man after my own heart. It's going to be amazing. He told David in faith all that he'd do with him in success. But he didn't mention, and you're going to kill a man. And you're going to take his wife and fornicate and have a child that will die. He didn't tell him that, but he knew it. Why did he still love David? Because God's love picks and chooses what he holds against you in your future. Peter, Peter, because you know that I'm God in the flesh, you had that revelation. I'm going to make you the first pastor of my church, Peter. But he didn't say, you're also going to lie three times and curse Wait, in faith, he gave Peter the benefit of his future success, but he didn't put on him the burden of his future failure? What kind of love does that? How can you walk into a relationship knowing every day it's great now, but they're going to hurt you? God does it with you and I every single day. And I know because Hosea was meant to be like God, I don't know how long it lasted, but every good day, he didn't bring it up. He didn't tell her about it. He loved with everything he was, knowing my heart will be broken, and you're going to curse me, and you won't want me, but I'm not holding back anything. Jesus' name. Because imagine if he did. You go, you go to repent. Lord, I'm never going to lie again. I'm so sorry. And Jesus says, well... You're going to lie three days from now. So let's reconvene, and we'll talk about it then, because I don't want to give you grace yet, knowing you're going to fall in the same way again. But he doesn't do that. Even though he knows, what does he do? I believe you with everything that's within me. I'm going to forgive you. I'll make you right. I'll love you, even though I know you're going to fall again. God's love is relentless, and he picks and chooses what he holds against you. Dear God. You know what happened? Gomer left him. Gomer didn't just cheat. She was a prostitute. The Bible says that Hosea had to go buy her. His own wife had to go buy her like a slave. And she, the, the, the man that owned her sold her for cheap, like change. It wasn't even a good price. And Hosea, the man of God, the prophet, everybody knows. 
He's walking through the city going to buy his wife. Everybody knows what she did. How can he do that? And God said, now you can feel my heart, Hosea. Now you know what I go through every day. Past the shame, past the doubt, past the fears. And now you get to buy them back like I bought you. That's what my love does. It doesn't hold back. Jesus' name. Why don't you worship him just a few moments? In Jesus' name. You ain't all shut down. So now that we're convinced about how God loves us, let's talk about how we love God. I mentioned that when you get the Holy Ghost, you get a new kind of love. There are four words for love in the Greek New Testament. Your New Testament was written in Greek before it was in English. And so you see one word for love, but look it up. There's, they interchangeably use different words for love. When Paul talks about brotherly love, he uses the word philia. Philia means brotherly love. Storge, family love. Eros, romantic love. And agape, God-like love. So every time the writer picked one of those words, it was on purpose to show what kind of love it was. The Bible in the New Testament uses all of them. Agape love, God-like love, was not a kind of love that the Bible had assigned to a person because humans were not capable of a love like God. It said, for God so loved the world, John 3, 16. That word there is not, he didn't love them like a brother, philia. He loved them like a family member. Nope. It says he agape. Agape is a word that is so powerful, it's hard to put a definition on it. It's a love that doesn't make sense and changes everyone that gets involved in it. But only God had agape love. But in Galatians 5, Paul is talking to people that got the Holy Ghost. And he says, when you have the Holy Ghost and you grow in it, guess what you're going to get? Love. Storge love? Family love? No. Filial love? Brotherly love? No. You're going to get agape love. A love beyond my human ability. No one's ever had agape love. What does that change in me? It changes everything. In Matthew, Jesus testifies he repeats a commandment he told the israelites in deuteronomy 6 in deuteronomy 6 god said hear O israel lord our god is one we love that and then he says love the lord with all your heart all your soul and all your strength that word for love it's in hebrew it means ahab ahab you know what it means literally i love when god says what he i want him to say in the bible it's fantastic when he connects all the dots he that word for love means human Love, human affection, human drive. Doesn't the word human kind of lessen your expectations of what that turns into? But God is okay with that because they don't have the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. Jesus hasn't died yet. There's no way it can be in them. So he says, love me with all that you got. But he knew it wasn't much because they failed him over and over and over again. They sacrificed and repented and they won battles and they were in peace for moments. But they couldn't love him consistently because the only love they had was out of obligation. If you don't sacrifice, you die. If you don't sacrifice, you don't win a battle. If you don't sacrifice, you get leprosy. And God said, I think we can do a better plan than this. 
So Jesus says, thousands of years later, you know the first commandment, the greatest commandment? Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and he says all your mind this time. But what word did Jesus pick? Out of all, storge, philia, eros. Love God like a father. Love God like a brother. Not quite. Love God with agape love. I got to love God the way that God loves me. Can I even do that? Because God, I never can love God as much as he loves me. It's too great. It's too pure. How can I ever try? God said, I'll give you a chance to try it out by giving you my same spirit, my same DNA. Because I am tired of loving people that don't even have the capacity to love me back in the same vein. So I'll give you part of me so you can see the twinkle of my eyes in your eyes. And you can see the love in your voice that's in my voice. I'll give you the help to love me back. See, when you try to love God out of human love, that's why you feel condemned. Because you're not good enough. You can't woo God with your human affection. So God says, let me help out. I'll give you part of my nature. I'll make you the spouse that I am worthy of by covering you with my righteousness and working you every day. I'll give you my life and my love, agape love. In Revelation chapter 2, remember when I said the Ephesians, they, they lost their first love? You're worshiping right. You're, you're defending doctrine. You lost your first love though. They say, you lost your brotherly love. You don't love your brother. That's your problem. You, you're, you're, you bicker, you fight. Didn't say that. You don't love your family anymore. No storge love. No, he said, you lost your agape love. They could have been loving God like a brother. And they could have been loving God like a father. But they were loving God with a love that can only come from the spirit of you inside of you. Only the spirit of God can let you love God the way he wants to be loved. God, I'm nice to people around me, and I treat my family pretty good. What's the difference between agape love and my love? Agape love makes inconsistent people consistent. Agape love, human love can't handle it. It breaks down. But agape love, God-like spiritually infused love, it makes impure minds want pure things and consistency and want the word of God in their life. It makes broken people whole. It makes you allow you to live in a way you never thought you lived before because you now have a love for something you didn't even have before. Every situation I described about human love is your, it's our lives, isn't it? Inconsistency, brokenness, confusion, doubt, fear. We never feel good enough because we're using the wrong love. I want to disarm you. I want to make devotion not scary anymore because you can't even do it on your best day. But when you let the spirit move you and grace cover you, you finally can love the way that God wants you to. You can't be good enough. Yes, you don't even have the love to do it. But God said, I will give you the love to love me back properly. I'll give you agape love. I'll give you agape love. It changed everything. In Hebrews chapter 10, David prophesies as Jesus, the Bible says. Paul quotes Psalms and Jesus said to to God, don't be confused, it's still oneness, I'll explain it later. You didn't want sacrifices anymore because they served you out of obligation, but there was no love. They had the work, the action, but not the heart for it. So you made for me a body. So I could die in their place and pay their debt. And Paul interjects and says, by that one sacrifice, Jesus paid all of our debts. Then he says in Jeremiah, Paul quotes the same Jeremiah passage I used earlier. 
I will remember their sins no more. And I'll write their tablet, the, the, write my, my word on the tablet of their hearts. And no man can tell another man, I'll find God for you. Because everybody can find God for themselves. Because everybody, not just the priest, can get married to God. Everybody gets to get married to God. What? Why do you do that? I want you to realize something. For thousands of years, thousands of gallons of blood fell at our obligation. And every time God looked in Moses' eyes, he saw human love, but it wasn't enough. He looked in David's, David's eyes, and he saw devotion and, and love and human love and sacrifice, but it wasn't the same. And so he said, I'll strip you all of every obligation. I'll pay the debt. You won't die if you don't show up. And you won't get leprosy if you don't pray anymore. And I'll give you my spirit so you can love me back. Because I want to find out if you can love me without owing me anymore. I want to find out if you can cry without being indebted to me anymore. I want to find out if you can talk to me without being scared of me anymore. I said it's redundant. We talked about this before. But God's renewing his vows with us today. Moses didn't, couldn't look at God the way you look at God. David couldn't. It wasn't there. Whew. What validates you? What makes you? Jesus said that, that, that one person in the kingdom will be mightier than the greatest prophet to walk on the planet, which was John the Baptist. Why? Because there's a love that comes from you that nobody else could touch before you. Listen to me very closely. Jesus died on the cross to use you, yes. He died on the cross to give you a good family, yes. But I want you to realize how selfish God is. He died on the cross, firstly, just so you can love him back the same way he loves you. If we lost that love, God says nothing else matters. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, If I have love, if I don't have love and I prophesy, it's nothing. If I speak in tongues, but I don't have love, it's nothing. Then it says love is patient, love is kind. Love endures all things. And I'm like, great, I'll love my wife that way. I'll love my brother that way. But what word did God pick to use? Storgate? No. Family? No. Brotherly? No. He said, agape is patient. Agape is kind. Well, who do I use agape love on first? Jesus said the greatest commandment, love God, then love yourself, then love your neighbor as you love yourself. I meant to use agape love back to God before I ever bless you, before I ever encourage you. I got to use it to love God back. He said the, the second greatest commandment is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We switch it. Okay, love my neighbor, then love myself. No, no, no. He said, love your neighbor, agape your neighbor as you agape yourself. Meaning, I can't give you anything I haven't gotten yet. And if I'm not whole, I can't help with your brokenness. So what happens if me and God are on a good terms, and we're, we have a really good going marriage, the love overflows, and I bring it to church with me. If I fall in love with God, I can let that love hit your life. Because, you know, if you're blessing a brother in God's eyes, blessing that brother is just like taking care of a child. Your ministry is a baby. Your gifts, your talents, your peace, your love, it's a baby. And God is your spouse. And the problem is, everybody knows it doesn't go well if you start to love the baby more than you love your spouse. 
but we treat God that way a lot of times. God, I love souls, but do you love me? God, I love your church, but do you love me? God, I love singing and praying and preaching, but do you love me? I get it, you're compassionate. I get it, you're desperate. I get it, you want to be helpful, but do you love me first? you but I can't love you first until after I love God how dare I cry over you but not cry over God how dare I wake up at night over you but not wake up at night over God how dare I have prayer requests more about you than I do about God because if you love the first child more than you love the spouse there won't be more Because the love that caused life to happen will dissipate because God knows what you're in it for. And he can tell. He can see it. I'm sorry if you're not married, you're just going to have to use your imagination. But if you are, you know what I'm talking about. Had a bad day at work, you say the right words, but then you're like... You're just being mean today. I said I love you. You didn't mean it. It's real. It's real. God does the same thing. Who knew we could be spiritual and laugh? I don't know what this is going to turn into. I'm preaching short today. Musicians come. You don't have to stand yet. I'm going to preach... One more thing I need to share with you. Last week when dad was preaching about, we're related if you didn't know. I assumed, but you know, I shouldn't have. He's preaching about the lady with the alabaster box. And she, it was like months, years worth of salary. And she poured it on Jesus' head and on his feet. And Judas, Judas was greedy, but Judas said something that other people probably thought, what a waste. She could have fed the homeless. God, wouldn't you want that more? Judas was the voice of logic. He was the voice of efficiency. If I give to God this way, it's more logical. It's less emotional. It's more efficient. God can use it more. But she did something that didn't make sense. And God said, it's beautiful to me. You know why? He accepted her crazy Unprotocol love because his love doesn't make sense. Have you ever thought about grace? How many times can I sin and it runs out? You can keep repenting. Am I supposed to change? Yeah, he said, don't abuse it. You must repent and change. But even if I mess up again, what I do? You repent and God forgives you again. That doesn't make sense. That's not a good deal for God. That doesn't add up. Where's the justice in that? It's too good. It sounds too good to be real. Because God's love is so untethered, it doesn't make sense. And a woman walking into the master's table, getting on her hands and knees, and crying on his feet. The oil was shocking. It was the best that she had. And everybody was impressed with the oil. Even Judas said, that's some good oil. 
But we forget about the tears. Because we want to give God the oil, but we want to skip the tears and the hair. She washed his feet with her tears and washed it with her hair. And she finished the altar call with the oil. Nobody wanted the tears, but everybody wanted the oil, but God wanted the tears. Nobody thought it was impressive that she acted like she was crazy. But when she sang, oh, that's anointed. And when they interpreted tongues, that was anointed. But when they cried like a baby, I wonder if they have sin in their life. Nobody wants your tears, but God wants them. It doesn't make sense, that kind of love. The reckless abandonment with the hair on the feet. Are you kidding me? But God said she loves me like I love her. Because one of the Pharisees said, if he knew. If he knew. And we, we pretty much know it was Simon because Jesus said, I have words for you, Simon. Speak, master. He said, if a servant owes a lot and one servant, a servant owes a little, and their master forgives their debts. Who will love the master more? Simon said the one that had a lot of debt that was forgiven. Simon, you're acting like I don't love you that much. The way you love me, Simon, tells me how much you think I love you. Because if you didn't wash me, you didn't anoint me, but you ate with me. A lot of people want to eat with Jesus, but a lot of people don't get married to Jesus. A lot of people want to eat with Jesus, but not a lot of people want to wash his feet. I don't want to date Jesus. I'm sorry, the language is weird. But I don't want to date Jesus on Sunday. I want to be married to Jesus every day. Can you stand with me? We've talked about how to do this altar call. I'm going to begin to pray over you, and we're going to build the music, and I'm going to say in Jesus' name, and they're going to hit the chorus. We're doing everything we can to make you feel comfortable, because that's our job. But where are the tears? Where's the hair? We're dumping oil at his feet. We dumped oil earlier, but God said, uh, your love's a little light on the tears and the relentlessness and the abandonment. Because Simon, you love me out of obligation, but this woman, she's loving me almost like I love her in agape, reckless, God-like love. And listen, when we do this and I pray, it's not going to be enough. It won't move you enough. There was no music, and it always sounds taboo. But she walked in in front of men of God. And he accepted her love and was more moved by it than anything anybody ever preached to him, talked to him about. It didn't even name her in that passage. But it remembered her love. All I'm asking when I begin to pray, don't just do the work. Let there be the love and the will for the work. Because God notices, I saw your oil, but I didn't see your tears. Lift your hands with me.
God, I thank you for your love and your, your, your grace. I thank you for leading us and guiding us. I thank you for dying on the cross for us. I thank you for your Bible that moves us and changes us and shapes us. I thank you for church. I'm glad we're back. I thank you for everything. I thank you for the tithe payer and the worshiper and the musician. I thank you for the preacher and the Sunday school teacher. I thank you for the good saint. I thank you for every gift. I thank you for all of it. But if we lose the love, if we lose the heart, but we still do the action. You died so we could have the same love for you that you have for us. In Jesus' name, here's your altar call. Reach out.